Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Perennials. 2020 has definitely taught us a lot of things in business. And one of those is the extreme importance of having a healthy, robust online presence. From making a first great impression to communicating our services well, having a website is really fundamental these days. So that's why we're so excited to have Michaela Vargas, owner of Pet Marketing Unleashed, on to talk all about websites. Some of their best practices, some of the things that we should all be implementing, and what the road forward looks like with websites and how to make them work for us and not against us. So let's get started. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Very grateful as well. So thank you. Um, My name is Michaela. Like you just said, I am the founder of Pet Marketing Unleashed. It's a company focused on helping pepperneurs build modern and as stress-free as possible pet businesses through web design, content writing, and now actually education. So um, I'm just kind of focused on, you know, the stress is so real in the pet industry, especially right now. So it's been my goal to really try and use design and content to work as kind of like a two birds with one stone kind of philosophy helping your marketing and online presence, but also in a way that helps you and your stress levels. Now, we're going to be talking about design today. So I did want to talk about one of the cool designs that you have is your logo. So could you tell us the story behind that and, and about Mags? Yeah. So um, Maggie was my like childhood dog. Um, and she was just like, talk about like soul families and things like that. I mean, we were just so connected and um, she was just my best friend. Um, and she was the inspiration for starting my business. And it's kind of one of those dreams that all of us dog lovers have where we want to give, you know, give your dog the backyard they deserve. And we never want to leave their side and, you know, go to work and things like that. And so she was kind of that pup for me, like, okay, I need to change things. And um, how can I be home for her? Um, and and unfortunately, she actually ended up passing like like two months after I started my business. Um, but I still wanted to kind of take that passion um, forward from her. She loved living life. And that's kind of what I hope to bring and continue in my own life and in the lives of my clients and community. And you mentioned there about the the, the passion that you're bringing into this and kind of your, your why for getting started in this. But what, what's your background in marketing and website design? Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny because I actually went to college, um, when I first started as a biology major, um, in order to be a vet one day, that's kind of like the standard, Hey, I want to work with animals. Let's be a vet. Um, and I very quickly realized that I did not like science and I wasn't very good at it. Um, so I think it was like two or three weeks into the course. I'm like, Oh crap. (laughs) Um, and so I, I ended up switching to business with an emphasis in marketing. Um, and originally it was just because I thought it was a safe, responsible choice. Um, you know, business is a, a fairly popular, um, path. Um, and so I went that direction, but while I was in college, I was actually also working at a pet resort. Um, and once I graduated, they realized, Oh, you, you know, you graduated in marketing. Can you please help us? Um, cause at that point I was just working, um, you know, with the animals like caring for the animals. And so, um, I ended up helping them with their marketing. Um, and you would think that I would have, you know, connected that by right then, but I still didn't. Um, I ended up working more in like data and business and that sort of stuff. Um, then I ended up getting hip dysplasia, which is kind of funny because that's something that people typically only think happens right. to dogs. <laughs> um, but I, I got the hip dysplasia too. So I ended up just kind of being on the couch for um, like about a year. I had three different surgeries. Um, and at that point, when considering going back, I was like, I just don't want to do this. How, like, how can I, you know, create something? I never thought I was the entrepreneur type just because 
you think that, you know, you need to invest a whole bunch of money and, um, and go into debt and take out a loan and like all this stuff that I just didn't think that I would ever want to do. And, um, I didn't, I thought that was the only path to entrepreneurship. Um, but then when I was, you know, working with the pet resort and I realized how much I loved it. And then, um, they also had me do their website for them. At that point I had just been doing like social media and things like that. Um, and then I did their website and I'm like, this is seriously so fun. I was like, why not bring together my education and then my skills with my love for animals. And it kind of just grew from there organically. Oh, that's really cool. I, I mean, not, not necessarily the, the hip dysplasia, that's not cool. Um, but, no. but, but, the, no. but the way that you just kept finding more and more ways to merge your passion with things that you were really interested in and were able to, to help and benefit other businesses too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of my, I thought I was not going to be able to work with animals because I thought for some reason, the only path to do that was, you know, the most common or whatever is to be a veterinarian. So it was nice to be able to come, come back to that and create something a little bit more unique. Sure. Now thinking back about since, you know, since you started doing that, and one of the things that I know about the web websites and internet is that things are constantly changing. So what's been one of the biggest changes as far as website practices or best practices that you've seen? Yeah, um, there's kind of a, a decent amount there. Um, I think it used to really just be a place to kind of showcase your own service. Like, hey, this is this is what I do, just to kind of let people know that your business exists. It was very information and text heavy. Um, and now it's just, it's way more than that. It's more about connecting and resonating with potential clients. Um, but it's also a way to really streamline and scale your business, which is super awesome. It can do a lot to work for you. And I think kind of taking advantage of the power of that is what's really changed um, over the years. Kind of, as you mentioned, the shift from just displaying information to actually making it do work for your business. Absolutely. And and making sure you're reaching out to the right people and not just, you know, pet owners in San Diego, for example. It's really a lot more than that. One of the things that I see an awful lot with uh, pet businesses specifically is they don't have a website and they just think that a website, uh, a Facebook page is is enough. And it's it's actually a replacement for a website. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, with Facebook, number one, I mean, what you're putting out there on your Facebook page, you know, for example, posting on your Facebook, um, it gets seen by an insanely small percentage of people. And it's, I think at the highest that you might get is maybe 10% of the, the people that follow you, which is very low percentage of even the people who are already in your network following you. Um, but not only that, I mean, if, if you're like, you know, someone asks for, Hey, how can I reach out? Where's, you know, where's your website? And you send them a Facebook link. It's not, you're not showing yourself as a professional legitimate business. Um, and I think something that gets missed here, um, where a lot of people don't realize the importance of it is because they're not necessarily seen they're not seeing the missed business. Um, but if they knew, you know, basically, you know, for example, a lot of the millennials, which are the majority pet owner, they're doing research online um, and using platforms like um, Google to search for things um, and researching before they're making purchase decisions. So imagine all those people who searched in your area and didn't see your business because all you have is your Facebook page. So if you actually saw that, you know, that correlation and saw the missed business, I think there'd be more importance in there to, to get the website. Yeah, that's something I wasn't even thinking about was the analytics and the power that you have to see you know, how long was somebody on my site? What was the first thing they clicked on after they got to my landing page? And look at some of those conversion rates too. And if you just have a Facebook page, you're totally missing out on all of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much power to a website. So that's definitely, yeah, for sure. 
So what are the options for, for getting a website? Yeah, um, I, especially if you're getting started, you can definitely, um, what I recommend is using an easy to use platform. Um, so doing some research into ones like Wix or Squarespace or potentially even show it um, depending on your des- design skills, um, just because those ones are pretty easy to use. There's no coding involved. You can do coding, but you don't have to, to get a website up and running. Um, so when it comes to, you know, for example, selecting a platform, um, there's a lot of decisions going kind of going back and forth between like web designers will kind of prioritize and say, no, you can only use this platform. This is one that's the best. This one's the best, but really from, from Google itself, they say it doesn't matter so much the platform you're using as much as um, basically going in and being able to edit your website, upload content. So the quality content on your website is more important. So what I recommend is kind of doing a little bit of research into the different platforms and what one appeals to you um, in terms of ease of use, price, like whatever it is, um, and then going from there. Um, I use um, Wix for my own website and majority of my clients' websites just because it's so much easier for them to maintain. Um, And if they are not maintaining their website. So if you have a WordPress website and you have no idea how to go in and edit it, your website's left stagnant and that can affect your SEO. Um, and, you know, blogging obviously is, is so powerful. So if you're not you know, able to go in and do that yourself, you're really missing out. Um, so that's definitely where I recommend getting started is researching platforms. Um, there are also templates that you can purchase. Um, I would just be a little bit wary of those um, depending on your pet business, because a lot of times you don't have full ownership of them. Um, and then you end up paying you know, the upfront costs and then a decent amount for monthly fees and you don't really have the control to edit and grow it in the future. Um, so I know that templates can be great options for people who don't really have the budgets to, um, or the time to really invest in all of that thing. So that's something I actually hope to roll out pretty soon, hopefully in the next year in my business also is to create templates that people can, um, edit and maintain and grow in the future because they, they will own them own them and be able to have full control over that. And then also, you know, learn how to create their own website. Um, and then lastly, you can also get it professionally designed. Now those templates, you know, that was something that I was thinking as you were saying that, of, so you buy this template, but who's to say that it's going to be supported down the road or what kind of features they are going to roll out if new practices come out, or maybe you want to change it a little bit. So I love, I, you know, glad you said to be careful or at least cautious of of what you're bringing into and what you're basing your entire website on. And at the end there, you did say, you know, or you could could hire. So what are some pros and cons of do-it-yourself versus hiring? Yeah, um, I don't like to have like a one-size-fits-all here. So, I mean, it really kind of depends what path you're cho- you know, we're choosing, what your skills are and all that. So, I mean, if you if you really trust your design skills, you have the time and energy to dedicate to quality photography, um, investing or learning about like the science of copywriting, and you already have um, branding already, then I don't see why you can't DIY your website um, if you kind of trust your skills there. And obviously, you'll, you know, you'll learn as you grow. Um, but there are also plenty of reasons why hiring a designer can be extra helpful. Um, we typically spend a lot of time researching and educating ourselves on best practices for, you know, the pet industry specifically, but also just website best practices. Um, We ourselves have a lot of practice. I mean, this is what we kind of do all day long. Um, And then an outside perspective can really help so that you're focusing on your clients um, because a lot of times um, for, you know, pet business owners, especially when they come to me too, they will kind of just say, Hey, I really like this color. I really like this, but it's not necessarily the colors or the, organization, you know, whatever it is about your website, branding, copywriting, all of it, it may not be what resonates with your clients and it's just your personal preferences. Um, so having 
the ability to kind of separate that is what a designer can really help you do um, and kind of just get it done in less amount of time. You know, if you don't have the design skills and you need to create yourself, um, that takes a lot. It's going to take you a lot longer to get where you want to be, whereas a designer can kind of come in and, and already know um, what, you know, what could be best for you. Yeah. That's that. Do you have a desire to? Do you have time to? Do you have the skills to be able to do that? And and just doing an honest assessment of that. And, you know, you mentioned of, you know, designers going to be able to know, you know, what things are going to work in that. And that, that wasn't question that just popped into my head here was when we talk about website design, many times we go after our own personal preferences and what we like to see. So when we're, when we're making a website, what kind of features of a website are, are gimmicky versus actually effective or important to have? Yeah. And that's, you know, kind of along the same lines, it's kind of finding that fine line between what resonates with you and what you want on your website versus what your, you know, business and, um, your audience would resonate with, you know, little things like, you know, a lot of people like to use like stock photography, um, that are more like, it's, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but like, it's like the Jack Russell with like the white background, um, and things like that, that you might think are really cute, um, that, that make you smile, but you know, it can come off as very, um, tacky depending on what kind of business that you have. Um, for example, if you're like a luxury um, or high level premier exclusive dog walker, um, you're not going to want those things on your website. So I think basically taking the time to understand the difference between what you want on your website versus what would be best practices um, is kind of, you know, finding that fine balance between those things and doing the research to understand what your clients are looking for. Yeah. Because, you know, what, what that's about there is that's about trying to get the best first impression for the client that you want. So it sounds like you you have to take that step back and go, when I'm working on my website, who is my ideal client and what kind of design is going to speak to them and is going to give the best possible impression? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it was something, and I'm, I could be butchering the number here, but I think it's like 50 milliseconds or something before people make judgments about your brand. And so if they're coming onto your website, you have a very quick um, time frame to reel the people in that you want to reel in. Oh, that's oh, that's very daunting. It's scary. It's scary. So what, yeah. What, what what kind of things or what kind of is is there a science to that to capturing attention attention on a website that's that's not icky or or not? Uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is like that that's not um, abusive of somebody's attention, but is actually the best practices for capturing attention. Yeah, I mean, I again, I don't think that there's kind of like a, a specific answer I can give here, just because it will depend on the business. Yeah. Um, so really, what you could, you know, what you could think about is where the, the eye follows on your website. So the eye will typically follow a Z format on your website. So it'll start in the top left, go all the way over to the right, and then kind of go. Hopefully, people can understand what I'm saying. Go all the way to the right, top right corner, and then it goes down in that slant. Um, design like a Z. So that's kind of where the natural eye follows. So if you can kind of appeal to people at the top, that's typically why people have logos in the top left corner. Um, and then over onto the right side, there's, a, you know, maybe a call to action, like, hey, book now. Um, and then they go down and that's where you have your headline banner. Um, so that's kind of why that's a that's a mainstream thing too. That's where the natural eye follows. Um, but in general, to kind of quickly capture audiences, I think my biggest advice there is to just realize who, again, kind of going back to who you want to serve, because the goal isn't to appeal to your whole community of pet owners. It's to appeal to your specific um, audience and demographic of who you want to work with, whether it's small dog owners, whether it's dogs with reactivity that you want to work with, senior pets, whatever it is, and then specifically 
putting that onto your website. So one of the first things they think is, wow, this person's speaking to me directly. Have you heard about Time to Pet? Dan from NYC Pooch has this to say. Time to Pet has been a total game changer for us. It helped us streamline many aspects of our operation from scheduling and communication to billing and customer management. Uh, We actually tested other pet sitting softwares in the past, but these other solutions were clunky and riddled with problems. Everything in Time to Pet has been so well thought out. It's intuitive, feature rich, and it's always improving. If you are looking for new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. As a listener of Pet Sitter Confessional, you'll get 50% off your first three months when you sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. How do you do that kind of research? You know, Maybe you've decided who your client is. How do you go about deciding what's going to appeal to them in a website design? Yeah, um, I think, I mean, there's definitely, there's so many different ways that you can really go about doing this. Um, One of the easiest ways, especially if you're already an established business, is going about actually communicating with them and asking them what they want to see. So surveying your audience um, can really give you a lot of really good feedback and a lot of themes for what they want to see. And then also just researching little things like the color of, um, the science of colors. So what kind of feelings do you want them to feel when they come on your website? Is it trust that typically would be more of like a blue color? Um, So kind of going into the science of color, I think is the kind of like the first step, because I think that's the one that really gets people thinking. Um, And it's kind of interesting to kind of learn, you know, all of these kind of things like, whoa, I didn't realize that there's this huge science behind color on the color psychology and what people will feel when coming across your website. So, um, and it really goes down into specifics like that, um, whether it's color, whether it's copy. So what language are they using? Um, and can you use that in your website? Things like that. I hope that answers your question. It, it does. It, it touches on all of these little facets that once you've decided on who your client is and, and what kind of feelings you want them to have when they visit your website or what kind of feelings they may have when they're trying to come to your website uh, and, and matching the colors to meet those and guide them through uh, your your booking experience or or however you're wanting to have them leave you so that you, they have a good experience and they you grab their attention. Absolutely. You mentioned it a little bit earlier about the changing of websites from just displaying information to actually doing work for your business. So how how does having a website save save me time? And that's a great question because that's something that that's my big focus in my business again is is figuring out how to not only have a great website but how can we get it to do work for you um, and when done properly it can really do a lot for you it's almost like having your own sidekick your own marketer your own assistant um, so when done properly again um, what it can do is weed out clients you don't want to work with which is really nice um, and that's kind of where I talk about finding a specific niche, you know, who do you want to work with specifically? So your website can weed out those clients that aren't the right fit, aren't in the right demographic, um, maybe aren't in the right zip code for you. Um, You can answer frequently asked questions that potential clients may have as well as current clients. You can outline your booking process um, in order to avoid kind of back and forth email communication. Um, You can get people set up in your system while you're sleeping or out on a dog walk. And you can also market your business, um, whether that's through blogging um, or articles, all sorts of things that you can do um, for your website. Again, it's it's the things are going on in the background while you're not having to attend to them. And uh, they're able to sometimes kind of take care of themselves and find what they need without having to grab your attention. Right. And walking them through the process and the way that you want them to go through your website is key to making that happen. 
what's a good way to guide a client through that process? Yeah. So I think what, what could get you started in this process and this method of doing it um, is kind of write down your client process. So in an ideal world, what would it look like? Where would it start? Would it start with them um, booking in a um, service with you immediately? Or does it start with booking a meet and greet? Does it start with creating an account or just calling you? Like, what does it look like from there? Um, what you do is just basically, okay, how can we make this easier on the website? How can we um, walk them through the steps of this um, and getting things as automated as possible? Once you outline everything that's included in what you do from your client process from the beginning to end. From there, you can begin to optimize it. So for example, something that takes a long, a lot of times for people is they email back and forth. Hey, can we set up a call? Um, are you available this day? No, I'm available, you know, and going back and forth. So something you can do there um, is if you don't already have, you know, a CRM or something like that is get something like calendly.com. It's free. Um, and that way you can insert that link into your website for people to book a call and then you don't have to go back and forth and they can set it up automatically. Um, so, you know, on your calendar, Oh, look, I got, you know, three calls tomorrow for potential new clients. So basically taking that long list, optimizing it. And then on your website, you're outlining them through the process of how you want them to go. So, um, you can do this through, for example, a booking process page, which I really love for, um, that I do on client designs is basically saying, Hey, step one, step two, step three with the links. So they know exactly what they need to do. Um, and what it's like to work with you. Do they even want to go through this process? Um, because if they do, then they're probably going to be really good clients and they're already kind of, um, they've dedicated and invested already their time into, okay, this is what I want to do. This is where, you know, the next steps I'm going to take. The client gets to decide if they want to work with you. So remembering that this can all be a filtering process on both sides. Like this, as, as you clearly lay out these steps, some people are going to look at that and go, Oh, there's three steps to this or uh, I, let me go do something else. You, you might not want to work with that person, right? You, you want to make it as clear and, and, and straightforward as possible. So that when people are contacting you, they're actually, you know, people that you want to be working with. Right. And that that just kind of reminded me too, something I wanted to add is realizing, because I think a lot of times this can scare people. They're like, well, no, like I want all the people reaching out um, to me. But at the same time, in order for your business to grow in the way that you want it to grow and for you to be happy and fulfilled in your business, you're going to want to work with a specific client. Like I, I, I think that's something I try to, you know, drill, drill at home a lot is, you don't want to work with every single pet owner in your community because number one, you're not going to get them anyway. Number two, the, the pet industry is very saturated. There are hundreds and hundreds of dog walkers just in San Diego. Um, so basically what you would want to do is, is find the people you want to work with and separate yourself so that you are you know, an elevated experience for a specific audience. And when you bring all of these components together, the website, the colors, the layout, the process, it's an easier way to get those people booking with you. Exactly. And I mean, that's kind of like the fine line too, between selecting, you know, figuring out your branding and how it's way more than, you know, just a logo. Um, and then combining that with website best practices to kind of really reel in the people you want to work with and make your you know website be everything to, you know, it's like a central hub for everything in your business. Earlier, you said the word copywriting, and it's we have to dif- differentiate that from the other copywriting. What are you talking about with copy and copywriting with websites? Yeah, so copy is essentially the text on your website, but its purpose, and this is what separates it from maybe like content writing in general, you know, if you're just 
writing content for your business, that's one thing. The difference with copy is that its purpose is to strategically guide your clients where you want them to go or to kind of help them go through um, the purchase decision. So you're basically, it's like the selling copy for lack of a better word. Um, So how are you strategically getting them, reeling them in and making them want to work with you? Um, And I really think it's it's honestly a very underrated portion of your website. Um, it's easy to, you know, love the design aspect because, you know, it's fun to, you know, pick out colors or um, add photos to your website. But I think copywriting is such a missed component for a lot of people. And I don't, I don't think the value is, you know, people don't see the value of it just because, you know, it's like, oh, well, why can't I just say, hey, I'm a dog walker in San Diego and kind of just run with it. Um, but there's really a lot um, to copy that's very, very, very valuable um, for SEO, for resonating, for really everything. Now, you talk about that that key step to converting into a sale or a booking. Like you, I feel like you could have the best designed laid out website in the world. But if you don't have, you know, you've got to fill it with words, right? You've got to fill it and talk about yourself and tell about your services and those kind of things. And that's where it sounds like this really plays in is these these thoughts of of how people are going to book with you and their perceptions of you and the attention that they have on your website really boils down to what you have there and how well and the the kind of process that it's been written through. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, that's something too. I mean, there's so much to copywriting that that would be like a a whole separate episode, but something, you know, really quickly that I just thought of too, when we are talking about resonating with your audience and a really quick tip for everybody listening is when you have your copywriting um, on your website, so if it's on your main banner or even on your about page is to make sure that you're speaking to your audience so that you're your text basically on your website shouldn't be like, we offer this, we're the best, this, you know, whatever it is. Um, stop using the word we or I and use the word you um, so that you're speaking directly to them. So they feel like, oh my gosh, they're, you know, speaking to me. This is exactly who I want to be working with. What a little shift, but such a huge difference in the perception of the relationship between the you and your client or the, Absolutely. the, the potential client, right? When you When you shift that of like, we were up here in our little tower, come to us versus I'm having a conversation with you right now about your needs. That's, that's a much deeper connection and, and draws that attention and keeps them there longer. Yep, absolutely. And just another way to differentiate yourself too, because like, you know, like we just talked about, there are dog walkers and pet sitters everywhere. Um, and if you're going to websites and they're all just saying, hey, we're the best, you know, premier dog walking in San Diego and premier, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah, they get what service you offer. They know that you offer dog walking, but how are you different and how are you going to help them in whatever pain points or experiences they're having? Earlier, you alluded to some of the stats and the kind of people and clients that are searching for for websites. Dive into that a little bit more and talk about the importance of having a website and how it helps people find us. Yeah. Um, you know, this kind of just goes back to when we talked about the millennial as the majority pet owner. Um, the first thing they like to do um, when, you know, potentially purchasing or booking services is they do research online. So if you are not there, you're not even going to show up as a possibility. Um, so having that online presence is key, especially um, for those who are doing research before purchasing. Um, and I think, I don't know the exact stat, but I think it's about 70% of consumers 
learn about a business through a blog. And obviously that's done through your website. So that is the key thing, especially when you're, you know, hitting into Google, whatever type of content you're writing, if it's, you know, on your blog for, you know, I love the blog posts, like pet friendly guides to um, your town. So people are searching for, you know, pet friendly restaurants in San Diego and you show up as the results, they're going to be seeing that sort of content there. And that's how kind of you um, kind of increase in terms of web traffic, um, people searching things, and then they're able to find you online through that method. Um, and again, kind of going back, you know, to what we, we previously talked about, if I found a business on social media, like this is just me speaking. If I found a dog walker on social media, oh my gosh, how cute. I love them. And I went to go Google them to find their website and there was nothing there. I immediately move on to the next business. Um, and I think again, people forget that because it's not necessarily in their face. They don't see they don't see me as a missed person because they don't know that it happened, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes where you're losing out on business. If you don't have that online presence there. I do the exact same thing. Oh, great. Look, somebody's here. Look what they're offering. Go, you know, search them on Google, no website. Okay. Next person, because I'm, I'm looking for a lot more there. You, you mentioned earlier about the professionalism, the dedication, all these kind of things go into that. And the website just allows for a, a much greater display of information and personalization that you can't find on a, a Facebook page. And so it really kind of cuts that experience out. And I know just, again, speaking for me personally here, I, I move right along and find somebody who has a website so I can do more research about them. Right. Absolutely. We are very impatient and we're skimmers. So, I mean, and even just the thought of for as millennials, and maybe this is me, but I know a lot of people feel similarly is if they don't have a website, but I know their phone number, I'm not going to call them and ask them for the information that I could get on the next dog walker's website. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the, that's um, making sure that you're, that it allows you to have that information out there, easily accessible, easily found. And on that, like that's kind of getting into some of the, some SEO talk. I know that's not the focus of what we're doing here, you know, when you're talking about putting content out there, is is, is SEO just having content or, or what's a little bit more about that? Yeah, that is funny. That is like a whole separate topic as well. I think we got like three different uh, podcast episodes going. Um, basically what for SEO, some of the different ways that you can, um, you know, very quickly kind of boost your SEO. Yeah, number one, and I think the best method, um, because a lot of people will have a website um, design, and then they don't go in and update the content. And that is one of the worst things you can do for SEO. Um, if your website is left stagnant, it, there's no way for it to really increase in traffic. Um, so uploading blog posts are a great way to do that. Um, your copywriting can also incorporate. So not only do you want to resonate with your audience, but you also want to use, you know, certain keywords. Um, so it's not bad to basically, you still want to say, Hey, what are the keywords? Dog walking San Diego. Um, you still want to incorporate that in your website um, and things like that, that people would be searching for dog walker, um, puppy, you know, whatever it is. Um, those are keywords that you want to include in your website as well. Um, and just some other little tips um, quickly for SEO on your website is to go in and make sure, um, like, for example, your images that you upload on your website, you can go in and click on the settings for those images and make sure um, that you have some text in there for your keywords. So again, having in and describing the image, but also saying, hey, like, you know, dog walker walking down, you know, um, whatever X neighborhood in San Diego or something like that so that you can describe the image, but in a way that also appeals to your SEO. And those are things you can do on all images um, on your website as well. And, and on the images, you know, I, I was curious about how 
we should be changing those, if at all, um, for for website speed. Uh, is there is there certain settings or certain format that we should be using for our photos when we're uploading them to our website? Um, when it comes to speed um, on your website, and in terms of specifically for images. Um, depending on what you're uploading it from. Um, so it depends. Cause I know like the phones right now, they have like new image uh, formats like H E I C. I don't even know why that's, why that's a thing, but there's new image formats. What you want to do is convert your images to JPEGs. Um, and then depending on your website platform, they'll have a recommended file size um, that they'll want you to have for your website. And if you don't have that, if you have very large images um, and it doesn't necessarily, this is kind of hard to explain, but However big your photo looks on the website doesn't really tell you what the file size is. Um, So you can still make the file size a little bit smaller and you can still make the image larger on your website if that makes any sense. Um, So just basically how many pixels and how much space it takes up in terms of the file size of the photo. Um, So as far as a tangible chip there, I would just go to your website platform and see what their optimal file size is and then just make sure that it's also in JPEG format. Uh, with all this talk about you know how to have a good website, uh, what's the difference between having a bad website and no website at all? That's a really tough question. Um, and it's funny because it's probably something I can actually argue both sides. Um, so, I mean, I could say it's just better than nothing to get something up and going. You have, you know, you have something going, but at the same time, if it's really that bad, you can turn a lot of people away. Um, so I guess my argument or my, you know, answer here would probably be don't have a bad website. Um, but you know, basically instead of, you know, if you're not a great designer, but you don't have the budget at all to, you know, get help for it, then what I would recommend is really taking that extra time to research a little bit into best practices, get some inspiration. Um, obviously they don't copy other websites, but get inspiration for certain features that you like and don't like. Um, how you resonate, like basically go through websites and use them organically and see how you go about, you know, like what buttons you click on first and why that sort of thing. And then take that into your website. Um, so in that regard, I'd say having the website is better, um, but just make sure you take the extra time to do a little bit of research so that you're not turning people away. Yeah. It's that, yes, they found you, but now what do they think about you once they found you? And so that's where that kind of like if you can't get found, they might not form an opinion about you. But if they do find you, they might not <laughs> like what they see. Right. So it's just, it's just bad all, all around. <laughs> <laughs> well, so on that, what are some things that we can do easy to implement on our website right now that would kind of take them up a notch or two? Yeah. Um, I think number one, um, making sure because it is the first thing that you see on your website is basically everything above the fold. So it's that first, you know, screen that you see when you come onto a homepage. Um, so having a large, you know, banner image, for example, that has text on top of it, make sure in that banner text that you say what you do and who you do it for, and be sure if you're a local pet business to include the location. Um, that's really great for SEO, but also there's so many times I've gone on pet business websites and it's a location-based business, like it's a dog walker, pet sitter. And I have no idea where they're serving clients or photographers, whatever it is. I have no idea where they're located. So definitely make sure that you're putting that in there. Um, And then also who you're doing it for. So it's not just for pet owners. I I really recommend getting a little bit deeper into who you're wanting to serve. 
Um, and then again, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier as far as copywriting, making sure that you're speaking to them in your text on your website, instead of just saying, we do this, we do this, um, because it's more than just the service you offer. It's really about the experience. Um, another thing is to make sure um, when we talked about that Z that people go through. So when you go all the way to the right um, I recommend having a clear call to action button. Um, so that is basically the next step that you want a client to take with you. Um, so if they decide they want to work with you or learn more or anything like that, whatever the organic next step would be to work with you, make sure you have a button that's very clear and then kind of have that basically on every page on your website um, and make sure that it's an action item. So you don't want it to be very vague, like, hey, if, if you want to learn more, click, click here or something like that. You want to be like, book now, schedule your meet and greet, get started, um, make it very simple, clear with an action item for them to know what to do next. Um, and then next, make sure you have your booking process on your website. So whether you do this on your homepage or if you want to have a whole page dedicated to this process, you want to outline the steps to working with you so they know exactly what to expect and they know exactly how to get started with you. Um, other tips, make sure you're including a photo of yourself on your about page because people will not work with you if they don't know who you are, what you look like, what you're all about. Um, so make sure you're, you know, making that personal connection. And I forget the statistic on this. I just learned this the other day, um, that basically the, there's an insane percentage of, of trust factor that gets raised when you're able to make direct eye contact with somebody. So don't hide behind a dog or don't have sunglasses on in the photo, making sure that you're looking at the camera for people to, to really see you and build that trust factor. And that's huge in this industry when you're going into people's homes, taking care of, you know, members of their family and, uh, you know, having a lot of responsibility in somebody's life, being able to just see somebody's eyes, because that's part of, you know, we do that, whether we mean to or not, we determine you know, is it, does this person look trustworthy to me? Uh, and would I be willing to let this person in my home uh, to take care of my dog? Like all of that happens, as you mentioned earlier, in a really fast amount of time. And so just, it, it, it's uncomfortable because many of us, you know, I, I have a face for podcasting, so it's hard to put the face out there on the website, <laughs> but they're going to see you eventually, right? You're going to go do a meet and greet. You're going to run into them at some point. So get that out of the way. And uh, put your face out there. I, I did want to touch on something you mentioned about the kind of information that we should have above the folder on that first page before you have to scroll. I know uh, something that, that I struggle with on, on our websites is the balancing a desktop experience versus a mobile experience. How do we walk that line with, with, uh, with optimizing a desktop experience of our website and the mobile usage as it's growing? Right. No, that's a great question. Um, and that's something I highly recommend too, when you are doing that research um, that we talked a bit ago in terms of what platform you want to be using, making sure that your platform has the ability for you to um, go in and edit the mobile version so that you are able to kind of customize those things. Um, depending on the platform, it really depends on what you can actually do. Um, but making sure, I, I think in general, as far as best practices is kind of simplifying the mobile version just because when you bring it down to that small of a size, um, even if it is, you know, a mobile friendly version, it still needs to kind of be catered to the, what we see on the mobile, uh, like, you know, what we see on the screen. Um, so just making sure that you're simplifying it. I think while there are more phone um, or like mobile views on websites. So people are typically looking at your website from their phone. Um, a lot of times when they are actually making the purchase decisions, especially for something that's a service that's a little bit more involved, they will go over to desktop. Um, so if there's something that you can 
only have on one, I would recommend having it on the desktop. Um, and then just, I, you know, again, it depends on the platform for what you can include. Like you can include maybe a note or something like that. Like here's the process. Um, but as much as you can include on mobile version, I would recommend doing so. I hope that answers the question because it really depends on the platform um, for what you can really do with it. Right. Yeah, no, it does. Because I know, and as you mentioned, like that goes back to if you're going to go with a DIY, really doing that research. Because some platforms, they automatically try and adapt everything to a mobile version and you can't really um, change much about that. And if you change something there, it may also change it on the desktop side too. So it, it really is about knowing, okay, like what do I have control over? What do I don't? And and at least trying to view it on mobile, uh, if you can, if you have that ability with uh, whoever you're hosting or whoever you're running your website through to get an idea of what that experience is like as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something too, while it can be a little bit more annoying, for example, on on the Wix platform, because, you know, for example, okay. So with Squarespace, for example, um, it's very, it's essentially automated. Um, so you can see exactly what it looks like and there's not as much you can do with the mobile customization on Squarespace, but with Wix, um, you have a lot of room for customization, not as much as desktop. Um, but, you also need to take the time, basically, if you are making you know large edits to your website on desktop in Wix, you will need to go and, and make sure it looks okay on mobile because it can kind of get all funky and messed up before you publish your changes. Um, so again, while that is an, you know, an added step, it could be really beneficial because you have the ability to really kind of move things around and optimize it for mobile before publishing. So we have colors, we have branding. What are some best ways we can incorporate those into our website? Yeah. Um, so I feel like it's really easy to say, obviously, you know, include your branding colors, your fonts and your logo and keep all of it consistent. We kind of get that. Um, but I think it really goes a lot deeper than that and realize that the feelings you want your clients to feel, what you want to do is get to know the language they use when they're searching for your business, for example. Um, so it's more than just you know, incorporating what you're, you know, if you say you've got branding done, it's more than just incorporating your branding guidelines into your business. Um, it's getting to know what they feel, what they want to feel, what language do they use when they're searching for you? What language do they use when they're talking about, you know, their pain points and their frustrations? And then what are some ways that you can embody that throughout your website? And you can do this through the use of photos, through the use of copy, or just like overall vibes. So for example, you know, distinguishing between like, say, an adventure brand versus like a luxury pet resort, for example. Maybe for the luxury pet resort, we have, you know, dogs being pampered. As, as far as photos, we have a lot of white space. It's very clean and like, you know, it feels very high level. Whereas the adventure brand, we have a lot more outdoor photos and maybe some like more kind of rough in it. We can have more color and adventure, you know, that sort of vibe going through it. So again, it's more than just colors, fonts, logo. It's also the feelings. It's the overall vibe. It's the language we use um, to really encapsulate all that your brand is. And I know I really struggle with the photo side of that, of how does this photo fit or not fit with the branding that I want to come across or the feelings that we want people to have. Do you have recommendations on how people can walk through that process? I mean, I guess I'm asking for myself, how can I do better at picking good photos for my website? <laughs> Yeah, um, I think one thing to look at is the amount of light in your photos. So if you have a really bright brand, for example, making sure you have bright photos as well, like very light, you know, a lot of white space, a lot of um, room for that. Um, and then as far as feelings and things you want people to experience, if you're a more comfort 
um, stress, you know, relief type brand, then having very calm animals in your photos um, will help help that. So kind of, you know, I'm hoping through examples, it kind of helps um, kind of portray that. Um, but I think as far as, you know, figuring out photos, I think it can be hard for people to understand what I'm talking about if they don't have the photos themselves. Um, so two things I recommend there. Number one is getting stock photography and you can get great free stock photography on websites like unsplash.com or pixabay.com. Um, but you know, my recommendation for that again, isn't just to search for dog or cat, but really try and figure out like, you know, if you are that outdoorsy brand, selecting ones that are more like dog on a hike or dog in mountains or dog in mud or whatever it is, um, to kind of take the extra step to find photos that not only encapsulate those feelings, but maybe incorporate some of the colors. So if your color is a blue and then the dog's wearing a blue collar, things like that can really, you know, the extra five minutes it takes to find photos like that, it really can make a huge difference. Um, and if you do have the ability to invest in brand photography, I highly, highly recommend that. And I think that can like as a web, as a designer, when clients come to me and they already have like branded photography, I'm like, all oh, right, like this is going to be an easy design. Cause it's, it, it seriously makes such a huge difference. That basic level there of just thinking about what kind of services do you offer? And then what kind of photos reflect that and the feelings that you want a customer to have? Do you, I love that example of if you have a big adventure hike based into uh, based business and all of your photos are dogs sleeping on couches and in white linen rooms, doesn't exactly evoke what you want customers to perceive that your business does. Exactly. So, I mean, especially when you are niching down your business to specific, you know, when we talk about like that relaxed dog, especially when you're looking at like your dog has a lot, a lot of reactivity or has a lot of energy and it's like a pup, you know, puppy and all that sort of thing, then having those relaxing photos, because that's what they want so badly. That's where, you know, appealing through your website and having those feelings of like, yes, this is what I've been searching for. It's so powerful. I mean, photos evoke emotion, and that's really, really a powerful way to increase your um, website branding and um, effectiveness. Pet Perennials makes it easy as one, two, three to send a heartfelt condolence gift directly to someone with a broken heart. They have this awesome direct-to-client gift service that takes the effort off of us and ensures a thoughtful, personalized sympathy gift gets delivered directly to our client or an employee. All gift packages include a handwritten card, colorful gift wrap, and shipping fees across the United States and Canada. Now, they just launched a brand new offering of an array of milestone gifts and greeting cards that can be sent to celebrate special moments people share with their pets. If you're interested, register for a free account to receive discounted package pricing rather than paying consumer prices. Since the service is leveraged on an as-needed basis, there is no monthly or annual obligation or minimum purchase. When it comes to marketing or customer-client relations, this is really hard to beat. Learn more and register using this link, uh, petperennials.com slash pages slash GPS. Enter the referral code PSC at registration, and you'll then be given a unique coupon code to save $2 off any package that you send in your first 90 days. We're talking about photos here, but I just had a thought about videos and some best practices around incorporating or maybe not to incorporate videos in our website. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, And I kind of go back and forth on this because I know there's a lot of web designers who talk about 
um, having a huge video at the forefront instead of um, the text. Um, whereas I feel like the text really helps with SEO and the video can potentially sometimes slow down your website speed as well, depending on how long it is. Um, so I definitely think having, you know, a video maybe a little bit lower um, and giving them the option to watch or not. So making sure it doesn't play automatically um, so that you have the ability to choose what they want. Um, as far as best practices for videos, when it comes to, for example, um, sites load time speed, um, I do recommend if it's longer than even like a minute or two to actually upload it to YouTube. And typically with your platforms, you can enter the link into your platform and then it'll produce the video to where it looks like it's in your website. So you don't have to like link to youtube.com to do this. Um, it'll say, you know, YouTube in the little corner, but it looks like it's on your website. And then that doesn't take up space on your website as if you were uploading a video directly to your website. Um, I definitely think videos are, um, something that's really increasing, especially on like, you know, um, social media and things like that. Um, but I don't think you absolutely have to have a video on your website. And in fact, most of my client websites don't have videos, or if they do, again, we have that option for them to watch it or not. Um, because as you're realizing who your audience is, certain people like to watch videos on websites, um, or not, because a lot of times when we're scrolling on social media, we don't want a huge, you know, loud video popping up um, on our, you know, screens, um, especially, you know, similar to social media, a lot of times people are, I think it's the majority of people are listening to stories or I'm sorry, are not listening to stories. They just want the captions on the, on the stories, um, because they don't want that loud noise, you know, coming in and, and all that sort of stuff. So just kind of realizing who your audience is and if they want to hear from you, um, or giving them the options so that they're not forced to watch the video. Yeah, because sometimes it can be hard to tell what exactly is this video going to tell me. And if I'm a new client coming to a website, I may see, oh, you've got a, a two-minute video here. Is that going to tell me how what your prices are? Or is it just going to be a montage of dogs running through the grass or on a walk or getting you know pet and fed? So I, I can see how that would go. Is it how much is it increasing the user experience of your website versus informing them versus slowing down and versus uh, the SEO portion and trying to balance all of those as best you can. Right. And then, you know, kind of picking back off that, it's again, looking back to the millennials, we are pretty impatient. We want answers immediately. So do we want to walk through, you know, through this whole video when it's taking maybe twice as much time to get the information that I could just read really, really quickly if I kept scrolling. Um, so just kind of realizing again, that user experience, how can you get them the information that they want faster and easier um, is that through video? It could be, um, but it also could not be. <laughs> well, yeah, you talk about ease of finding information. I know for me, many times when I'm doing quick research, I'll land on a web page and I'll hit Command F because uh, I use a Mac or Control <laughs> F and just try and find a keyword on that website to see if it's there. And if it's not, I may hunt around for just a little bit more. And then I'm jumping out. I'm going somewhere else to try and find what I'm looking for. Absolutely. Yeah, I do that same thing too. And that's something I obviously not necessarily specific to websites, but for blogging, mm. that's something I definitely recommend is breaking up your, you know, your blog posts and giving them the answer they want. You know, while in an ideal world, we want people to read every single word of our blog post because it's that good. Um, really, they're for the most part looking for a very specific answer. So if you allow them, you know, by bolding certain words or underlining or having head, you know, subheaders and things like that, they'll be able to go exactly where they need to go and get the answer and be very grateful to your business rather than being like, I can't read through all of this. I'm going to the next website. I will, I will say, I think recipes are, do the, have the most egregious uh, against <laughs> this where you're like, 
how do I make pasta? And you find that the first hits are someone were like, well, in high school, I went to Tuscany. And you're like, no, 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 never mind. Move on, move on. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so funny. I think the same thing too. And I, I think a lot of it is for SEO as well, why they really do that. But yeah. And it's especially when you're clicking away from like all the ads and it takes forever to load because there's so much on their websites. That's something I definitely, that's super annoying, but typically they have though, still that little button that says jump to recipe. Yeah. And then you can go immediately down. So you're still kind of directing them. You, you know, you're still like, all right, thanks. Whoever this blogger is, thank you so much because I got to the website quickly still because you told me I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, again, that's saying it's not that you, if you want to tell those stories, if you want to have that information there, you can just make it accessible and easier for people to skip it if they don't necessarily want to read through all of that. So thinking about what's going on right now in the world of website design and, and internet technologies, what's got you really excited? Yeah, um, I think kind of just going back to what your website could be used for. Um, I think, you know, as we see, you know, social media and marketing in general kind of um, evolving, it's really coming down to connections and engagement and community. Um, so I think it's really powerful once we realize, I know it can be really intimidating and overwhelming. Like, why does the website have to be this complicated? Like, why can't it just be, here's my phone number and contact me? But if you kind of get out of that mindset and kind of focus on like, wow, I can really, really connect with the people that I want to work with and grow my business from that place. It's so powerful and it's so good. And I think that that's something that's really coming forward, especially as there are, you know, more and more pet sitters and more and more dog walkers, and it's become a very saturated market. So we're really going to need to connect. Um, And your website's a beautiful place to do that. Um, and I'm, I'm just really excited about the different ways um, in terms of technology and integrations and all of that is the ability for people to finally harness the power of what your website can do for you. Um, because, you know, whether it is integrating, you know, a scheduler for people to book a call, whether it's incorporating your, your software to your website, there's so much to it um, to where you can really get your website working for you and marketing for you and building, getting new clients and optimizing the people that are coming to your website um, it's really just such a beautiful experience. And I, I see that coming more to the pet industry, um, as well as, again, fostering that human connection. Yeah, m- m- knowing that if you want some functionality there, it's most likely there, whether through a plugin or download, and really thinking through about what you want to be able to do, because it's probably you're probably able to do it with your website. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's kind of something that you can figure out too, because I think a lot of people don't realize what you can do. So I think for how to, you know, basically figure that out again is to go through, write out in extreme detail, your whole full client process, write down all the things that are stressing you out in your business. What are things frustrating you? What's taking longer than it should. And then from there, just doing research, like, can I book calls on, you know, from, you know, online and then figuring out, oh yeah, okay. I'm going to go to Calendly.com, put a link on my website for people to schedule a call if they want to schedule a call with me. So there's little things like that. I'm going to answer questions that people ask me all the time in the form of a blog post. Like there's so many things that you can do to help you save time and optimize your website. Yeah. And I think right now I've, um, I, we did get a question from, um, our, one of our Patreon members, Jennifer, that about the topic of websites and website design. And one of her questions pertains to kind of what we're talking about right now. So, um, she, she asked about, what are ways, you know, if my one of my goals for my website is is to to drive sales, right, and to get bookings? What are some good things that I should be doing to get sales out of my website? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, and this kind of goes backwards and probably isn't the clearest answer that she would want. Um, and that's the same thing I will argue as well with social media and all sorts of marketing platforms is honestly providing value to them. Um, if you provide such an extreme amount of value to them, um, basically for free, um, from there, they're going to be essentially, essentially convinced to work with you. Um, so it's not just, you know, of course there are little things you can do, like having that clear call to action button, like book now will increase conversions because of the fact that it's on there, but it's more than that because you can't just have a website and all it says is book now. And then, you know, they're not going to be convinced. Um, so while you can incorporate little, you know, little things like having those clear, you know, call to action buttons. Um, I think what it really comes down to is providing value and providing connection with them first. Um, especially for the pet industry, because it's so based on trust and um, that connection, um, because they're not just going to trust anybody to, you know, watch their dog for them. So I think really what it boils down to is connecting with them, building the trust factor, providing value. And it's something that I like, especially for like dog trainers, for example, a lot of them are very hesitant to give away training advice for free, but essentially the more value you can give away for free, the more in return, they're going to be like, well, if they're giving this information away for free, I like, I can only imagine what they could do for my dog in a one-to-one setting. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the same thing I want to put out there for all types of pet businesses. So providing as much value as possible without the actual service, obviously. And then from there, you can kind of um, build that trust and people are going to be more likely to commit. Yeah. As you were talking, I was envisioning the same thing of just a white website with a big red button in the middle that (laughs) says book now. And what, and and what we're trying to do is we're trying to go from the client. Somebody saw that they would go, why why would I book now? What you're saying is build content, put out information, solve needs around that button, so that when it comes time to click, instead of asking why would I, they ask why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I book with right. this person? Look at all that they've done. I know them. I know they know what they are talking about. This is the only option that I that I should be going with. Exactly. And something I want to add to, especially when you say that's the only option um, that I really recommend for a lot of pet care providers, even if you're already established, you can still start to do these things is to really figure out how you can separate yourself from the industry, especially since there are so many pet care providers out there. So I recommend don't be afraid to be bold, take chances, niche down and be personal. So if again, if you've been really, or like if you have a certain type of animal that you love working with, like if you love working with older dogs or dogs with diabetes or whatever it is, the fact that you're able to pull that into your website and say, for example, there's a pet owner, say I have a dog with diabetes and I'm worried because I need um, a dog walker or a pet sitter for a vacation that's coming up and I need to find somebody I can trust that knows how to handle diabetes there's not going to be a lot of websites out there that say that. So if I came across a pet sitter that said, I love working with dogs with diabetes, I'm working with you. Like there's no other option. So I think really getting deep with what, who you want to work with, because those people are going to be willing to commit to you easier. And while you might be excluding certain other groups, you're going to be working with the dogs you want to work with. You're going to be working with the clients you want to work with. And it's going to be an easier sell because they already know that that's what you offer. Well, it's, it's, it's going to be an easier sell to them and to you. Cause I don't know. I, I've had this experience before leaving a meet and greet going, Oh, is that, is that the person I want to work with? There was this, there was this thing about them. I didn't really like, and they said this thing. Ah, I don't, maybe, maybe not. 
But going through this process of designing your website, again, acting as a filter, not just a funnel, we're also filtering people out that we don't want to be working with so that by the time they click book with us, that relationship, that trust is there on both sides. And each of you are going to have a much better experience on the back end. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it's even like less distrusting questions. It's more loyalty. They're not going to be, you know, selecting other pet businesses depending on who has the you know best deal right now, or, you know, it's going to be about loyalty and it's going to be an easier sell. It's going to be easier on you, easier on them, easier on the dog. What about some things on the, on the horizon that you see coming down uh, the, the, the internet pipelines? Um, what are some things that we should be looking out for um, as far as changing best practices or, or, or anything along those lines? Um, I think the biggest thing, especially as we do see um, so many um, pet care providers coming um, to the forefront. There's, and I think a lot of people are worried, um, in terms of like competition and like, how do I, you know, separate myself? I think it is about niching down. I think that there are, um, unique services coming, um, as far as, Hey, I don't just provide dog walking and pet sitting. Um, like there's, um, I don't know if you've heard of like my dog camp. Um, there's, you know, different styles of, services that are coming out like enrichment walks or dogs you know walking for dogs with reactivity like there's i think people are starting to really finite services so that it's not just um dog walking and pet sitting it's training you know it's serving multiple purposes for their specific needs um so i think kind of making sure or realizing that that's i think that's what's going to be coming is those more specialized services so maybe whether that involves getting additional training or figuring out what you want to do or who you like to work with from there um, I know this isn't specifically for website practices, but it, it really is a whole piece of it because that's what people are going to be searching for in Google um, for your website to show up on. So figuring out where you can kind of expand your expertise or your um, differential like, ability um, to provide care for animals. Well, yeah, you said like linking that back to the website, it's, it's okay. The services in the pet care industry are changing and the way people are searching for them is also changing. So how do I make sure my website communicates to the people I want to be working with the services that I offer and why I'm the best fit? Right. And not just, you know, saying, hey, I offer dog walking and pet sitting in San Diego on your website. You're really, you know, boiling down to a specific reason or whether if a specific feeling, a specific service, a specific um type of dog you're working with, whatever it is, get more specific um, and don't be afraid to expand from there. I know it can, it can kind of feel like you're putting yourself in a smaller um, window of opportunity, but it also really expands it um, again. So don't be afraid to um, kind of take away from appealing to all pet owners in a particular area and really dig deep to who you want to work with, because that's going to be how your business can really grow in the way you want it to. Right. Michaela, thank you so much. I have loved this conversation from start to finish, and I have lots of notes for things that I know uh, Megan and I need to start doing and thinking about um, our websites. So, and there's just so much involved here, um, but there's just a lot that we have control over too. I think that's one of my big takeaways is just the personal agency that we have to think about the power of our website and to start making it work for us uh, so that we can be running the business that we, we, we want to be doing. I know there's a, a lot of other questions around this. So um, how can people best get in touch with you and uh, follow along with your work? Yeah, 
Thank you so much. Yeah, this was a very fun conversation. I love talking all things websites. It's my my nerdy thing. So it's been really fun. Um, if people want to find me, you can go to um, www.petmarketingunleashed.com. I also have a Facebook group um, called Unleashed Petpreneurs. Um, and that's full of other pet industry entrepreneurs looking to um, you know, improve their websites, improve their marketing, um, or just connect and ask questions um, even outside of that realm. Um, I also have my Instagram, which is at Pet Marketing Unleashed. Um, and my link um, that I have in my um, Instagram bio also links to, um, I have some things like um, a freebie on, it's a little guide for seven website mistakes and how to fix it. So it also walks you through how to actually get some of these things fixed on your website in um, step-by-step tangible ways as well. Awesome. Thank you so much again for coming on today, Michaela. Thank you so much. I think when we step back and start viewing our websites as a way to connect with our clients, to engage with people, and then to build community, we start viewing them as something really, really powerful for our business. 2020 showed us that there is a need for connection. There's a need for community. And as interesting as it may sound, our websites can help give that to our community, to our clients, and bring that and make that a part of our business. Viewing our websites as nearly a posting board for information, hours of operation, and for prices is one thing to do. But to take it to that next step, to really start engaging with our clients, we need to take into some consideration of of who our clients are, what kind of colors speak to them, and how they are going to navigate it. I know that's really hard for me because I know how I use websites, and that's not necessarily how my clients use them, though. And that's really important for us to remember as we move forward. And as the years continue to change and as technologies change as well, we really want to thank our sponsors for this week's episode, Timed Pet and Pet Perennials. Check out the links in the show notes to get access to those discount codes. We also want to thank you for listening to our episodes, for sharing, for commenting, for engaging, and help being a part of the conversation that everybody needs these days. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back again next week.